0: From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we only have one story. The story of the weekend. The sushi saga. What the hell is going on? This is our first exit in the DeFi space. Is history repeating itself, or is it sure as hell rhyming pretty damn good? Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. yo what's up everybody happy labor day today is monday september 7th 2020 and i'm gonna jump really quickly into this today i'm gonna go through the prices in just a little bit we had a very big down weekend it's kind of sad but not as sad as what's happening with sushi and i'm gonna dedicate this whole show to sushi because it's the first time that we have a full-on story about somebody exiting out of defi we have forks we have new projects coming out of projects. We have swap exchanges and DEXs and, and, you know, DeFi projects. And there's a lot of things happening right now very quickly in this space. So the more we talk about this, the more I feel we can protect people. I do not want to see BitConnects. I do not want to see projects coming out in this space focused on getting people's money, hurting people and stealing their wealth. I do not want to see that. I will do everything I can in my power to fight against that with this show and what I do in this space. And the one thing I can do now is tell the story so people can learn. Let me get into those crypto prices really quick and then we'll get into the story.
1: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks.
0: And I'm recording this at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $10,218.43, down 2.15% from last Friday. Ethereum, $349.92, down 9% from last Friday. Litecoin, $48.15, down 3.8% from last Friday. Chainlink, $12.28. Down 1.5% from last Friday. And XRP dipping below the 25 cent mark, which I don't know why, but that's like sort of my benchmark of what XRP is doing, which makes it down 5.4% from last Friday. Total market cap for all cryptocurrencies is $327.7 billion. BTC dominance going up to 57.5%. Now let's talk to Eric Pinos, the American Ecosystems lead for Ontology who's going to tell us about the sushi saga. Enjoy, and I'll see you after the show. Eric, how are you doing?
1: Good, Matt. How are you?
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, so we just got to get straight into it. This is the big news over the weekend, Labor Day weekend, sushi swap. Look, we had like a, what, what happened with the CEO left with funds, then, the, then sushi got passed to another CEO, and I'm so confused. Can you do me a favor and just tell me what is going on with this?
1: Yeah man, it's been crazy. Um well, let's take it back to like where it started. This was a whole week ago. Cause sushi is about uh, I think like a week a little over a week old now. All of this happened. That's
0: recently. it. It's only a week old.
1: I know it's crazy, right? This DeFi <laughs> DeFi is uh is progressing at such a such a rapid pace. Um and if you think of like YAMs, I don't know how many people listening are familiar with YAMs, but YAMs is about a month old. So
0: Jeez, oh man.
1: In dog years and crypto years, it's like it's like uh like last year's news, you know, like five years ago. But <laughs> Dushi, Dushi came out as a, a fork of Uniswap, and it was an anonymous developer uh, named Nami Chef. So he had a Twitter account by Nami Chef. And what they did was is exactly like Uniswap. They just forked the code, but they added a token they added a governance token the sushi token and the idea is that you hold the token and you earn a percentage of the trading fees and they could vote on future things to be done with sushi like where where the direction of the platform went and it's a pretty popular idea right now like yeah i'm just doing a similar thing curve was doing a similar thing 1 inch uh, all the big DeFi platforms, Wi-Fi and such. So it made sense. I think a lot of people resonated with that idea. So they started migrating over. They started participating in the staking. You could participate in the staking and get airdropped sushi. Um, and that went on for like a few days until what happened recently was that the, the market pumped for a bit and then it crashed. And then all of a sudden, uh, Nami Chef sold his entire share of sushi. It was like 15 million. So, normally you would have locks in place, or you would have vesting in place when someone would, when the developing team or the initial team, uh, you know, even during the ICO era, there were locks. There were these vesting periods where the pre sale investors and the VCs and the team, the initial team, weren't allowed to sell their stake. But now, you know, like it was, there was no lock of any kind. There was just a promise from the developer saying, like, oh, you can trust me. I'm not going to sell my stake. But he did. He sold the, the $15 million worth of, Sushi that he had crashing the sushi price, destroying like all of the liquidity providers that were providing to the sushi Ethereum liquidity pool, and then everything just kind of spiraled downhill from there. Everyone was trying to figure out oh, were we just exit scam, what was going on. There was all the speculation and all these uh, news articles that came out. So eventually, he just came out and said that he was transferring transferring control over to to SBF, and so then SBF was kind of. Uh, trying to fix the PR image and trying to bring on a new governance team that was going to take care of it or that is going to take care of it and kind of help ensure that SushiSwap still has a future. I think the NAMI Chef guy, I think he's gone now, though. I think he said that I'm leaving the project, so it's in good hands now. Goodbye which is funny cuz he still has all the funds and so it's like well i mean he did it and kind of uh difficult to pin him down cuz it's kind of hard to pin it on anything illegal it was kind of uh it's kind of all at the risk of the individuals and how that they they actually put their money into this thing that was unaudited and untested and we all knew this but people still feel like there should be some kind of justice or some kind of retribution for it
0: okay so i just going to clarify a couple things in this is sbf is we're referring to sam bankman-fried the ceo of ftx Exchange. James, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: There's a couple things that you mentioned here that I really want to also clarify is that you said he sold what he had and crashed the sushi price. Is the crash of the price a result to him selling or is the crash of the price something that happened and he sold during that crash?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think there were multiple factors. I think it was one that the whole market was crashing because we saw that the whole market was crashing around this time just because of all the external market forces. then also the fact that he was actually selling right the amount that he was selling because sushi didn't have that high of liquidity on uniswap so it wasn't that big of a token it doesn't take that much money to make a market movement. Uh, and then the third thing was probably the announcement that he was selling right so like he after he did sold there was that one massive sell order. Because he sold it all. I think he sold it all in one transaction. So he tried to get it all through in one transaction. Um, So it was just a massive sell order. And then there was the, he tweeted that he did the sell, which that's going to erode a lot of people's confidence in it because, oh, wow, the lead developer just sold their entire stake. So that, I think that was, um, it was just all like a a downward spiral, right? It was just a negative feedback loop there. It's difficult to, I'm sure you could probably do some backwards analysis to try to pin down like what, what effect each individual thing had. But I think it was. Is just a, a cascading domino of effect
0: here. Right. Because, you know, it's one of those things is, is it chicken or egg? You know, you see, you, do you panic sell or is it the panic because of him selling? It's, right. it's, it's one of those things. Um, a lot of people are calling this an exit scam, but how you described it does not seem like an exit scam. It seems like an exit. It seems like somebody who created something had, well, apparently $13 million in tokens and said, I'm out because there was no governance saying that he couldn't. There was no laws that said he couldn't. There was no code that said he couldn't. He just left. and transferred it to uh, the CEO um, of FTX Exchange. It seems totally legit. Is it an exit scam? And uh, does people have any uh, reason to be mad?
1: I'm more inclined to say now that it is an exit scam than I was a few days ago, because, or I guess like two days ago when it happened. Because two days ago when it happened, he had sold, but he had it made his intention clear that he was going to continue the project. Right. So it's, it's there's nothing really stopping him from doing it. Like if you wanted to stop him from selling his shares. You institute vesting. That's how it's done. Otherwise, you can't just rely on, oh, pretty please don't sell. Like There's there's nothing stopping them from doing it. Um, but I think what changed was that he came out and then also said, not only was he transferring the keys over, uh, but he was going to leave the project entirely, which is different than what people have done in the past. For example, when Yearn.finance came out and Andre was the main developer on that, he transferred the keys to uh, a governance group, right? So a group of people, um, but he was still intending to continue working on the protocol, right? So he he was gonna keep working on it. In this case, Nami Chef is gone. He's said, I'm not gonna work on it anymore, and I'm giving the control or the governance away. It's definitely an exit, right? Like he's gone. As to whether or not it's a scam, I, I guess it's difficult to say because there were no illegal moves made and everything was up front. It was very clear that it's unaudited code, you know, don't trust, you're using this at your own risk. Everyone kind of kept repeating that, like, hey, there's no time lock, there's no vesting here, so anything can happen. I guess the only thing that would constitute as a scam is maybe the misleading in the marketing, right? So you could probably say it was false advertising because he was saying that he was going to stay, but then eventually he decided to leave. That would be the only argument that you would really have a solid ground to stand on, like this is false advertising. But otherwise, like everything... Every move that was performed here was like a legal move. There was no hacks. There was no bugs. Um, there was no like illegal activity, which is uh, which is definitely an interesting which is interesting because I don't think it's going to stay that way for much longer. I think once the SEC like starts catching on to what's happening here, it's going to be the second wave of 2017 ICO crackdown all over again.
0: One hundred percent. I agree with you, and I'm really happy that you did that definition of of defining an exit and an exit scam because there's two different things and we're talking about a scam we're talking about malicious we're talking about premeditated we're talking about somebody who intentionally created something to uh, defraud people out of money and then leave with it and everybody with their pockets out hands open and not knowing what to do i'm still not 100% convinced as you you told me the story and as the listeners are listening to this that it was there was intent involved so i think we start to find that out but I, so i'm really happy that you defined ed- exiting and exit scamming. My question is you said erode the confidence, it erode the confidence in the coin, but the coin isn't doing bad in price, is it, right now?
1: Doing bad when it initially crashed and there was, there's seemingly no future, right? The dev before it was transferred over, I think it hit like a dollar, it went below a dollar, whereas just a few days ago, it was trading at six, seven, nine dollars. Um, right. But it, then but, after, but we did have
0: a we did have a big market pullback, and then after that, when it was it, we saw a over a hundred percent rebound of that coin. So, it, did it really erode the confidence?
1: Well, the confidence came back after after uh, the the governance was transferred to the the SBF, and they had he posted a new plan for sushi and how it was going to happen. So now the conf, the confidence is coming back. So I think it was gone for a bit. I think people did mass sell off and panic sell with good reason because. There's no future, right? If SPF didn't come in and take the platform and say, like, all right, I'm gonna be in charge now and we're gonna have a future, there wouldn't have been a bounce back. Like it would have just kept I mean, I don't know, maybe because people are degenerate gamblers right now, just buying into any token that's going down just to try to. Sp- <laughs> um, but like as, as an investor, right? Like as a sane investor, there's no good reason for anyone to be buying sushi until that announcement came out that there was gonna be a future to the platform. So it looks like there's gonna be a future now, there's gonna continue it. One inch just made an announcement, I think like a a few, like 10 or 20 minutes ago, that they're going to be supporting the sushi platform, right? So it's like, well, one one inch is going to be involved now. So it looks like there is going to be a future to it. That partially explains the bounce back that we're seeing right now in the sushi price.
0: I know I've been asking a lot of opinion so far, but you've been giving me a lot of, you know, basically linear facts of what happened, how things are rolling out. But now this one is basically strictly opinion. And something I might ask uh, SBF himself, how much confidence should people really have in this? And I'm going to say this in a skeptical way because I've been here since 2016. I saw ICO bubble. I saw, you know, exchanges. I I mean, people I knew had coins on Cryptopia when it went down. People I knew had uh, funds on Quadringa. You know, so like transferring a Neo ICO token, we're going to call that DeFi, but the new wave of ICOs to an exchange, somebody who owns an exchange, the CEO of an exchange, in exchanges, which have horrible track records in the crypto space. Is that really confidence?
1: The, the one thing or one of the things that's better now this time around is that because it's all happening on chain because it's DeFi, right? Like DEXs and decentralized platforms, then you can audit the code yourself or you can get someone you trust to audit the code for you, right? So you can look at the code and you can see, uh, is there any way here or are there any permissions here that shouldn't be? Like, sh- does the owner have the ability to Withdraw your funds. Does the owner have the ability to mess with your funds? Do they have the ability to mint infinite tokens? Can they, you know, what kinds of permissions they have? So, you know, there's, there's either two things. One, you wait for an audit and then people can have, then once that audit comes out, then you kind of feel more confident in that contract or two, you, if you're tech savvy, you can audit the contract yourself. And if you trust your, your tech savviness, then you can know for sure uh what that code does and what permissions the author has right the owner has which i think is better than where we were previously because if you look at like cryptopia or you know like all the old exchanges that ran away with the funds that was all custodial so no one knew anything like you can just there's no way to check there's no you just have to take what they say you have to take their word for it that they're going to keep your funds safe if you trusted them with it at least now you know it's much more clear what the risks are because you can look at the code and you can say, okay, here are the risks that I'm taking by putting my crypto into this contract.
0: Does that give you confidence?
1: Uh, It gives me confidence in what, in which projects I'm participating in. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't give you market confidence, right? Because at the end of the day, right? Like we could, the prices could still all crash, right? It could be a bubble. I think definitely grew way, way too quickly. Uh, the DeFi space and everyone's trying to now launch their own token, launch their own project, just like 2017, just like ICO. So there's definitely a lot of signs of a bubble. So uh, market confidence wise, there's, it's, it's kind of shaky, but but tech confidence wise, though, I think it's a lot more, it's a lot more solid ground because it's all, at least it's happening on chain. So it's much more clear, like what these tokens are. I, I trust an Ether scan to show me the total supply of a token. I trust that more than I trust an exchange telling me like oh here's the total supply of this token because there you don't know you're just taking the word for it but you can check against the blockchain and you can interact with the node yourself and you can double check like what are the permissions that these contracts have and that these tokens have and if i deposit my my crypto into uh the staking platform into sushi swap or uniswap or one inch or wherever i can verify what kinds of permissions i'm giving the owners of this platform to do with it which i think is better than Previously, when you would just deposit your crypto into an exchange, you have they can do anything with it, right? They don't even have to give it back. Like, what are you going to do? But here you can check and you can make sure that like, oh, if I deposit my crypto, can I withdraw it? Yeah, you can check because the contract is written out. The code is written out. So you can, you can at least, there's some areas where you can at least get the peace of mind. There's other areas where you can't, right? Like I said, like the market risk. And once you've identified that there is, that they do have permission to do this with it. Then you have to trust that they won't do it because it's it's only about, it can only tell you what they can and cannot do, not what they will and won't do. Even if they can withdraw the funds without your permission, maybe they need to do that in case there's any kind of migration that needs to happen, right? So you have to weigh the risks there.
0: All right, so my my last question is first I want to say thank you very much for the 17 minutes. So I originally said eight to ten minutes, but you're just so damn interesting, and this is just so damn interesting. I just gotta keep asking questions. <laughs> so, but my, my last question is you said permissions, you said no's, you said check the blockchain, you said etherscan, you said a lot of words that the average person and I'm talking about and even ninety-five percent of people who are in crypto that do crypto don't know what the hell is going on with this. And now we have a new way to get money out of people. It's not ICOs, we got smart to that. We got hip to the game. Now we got DeFi. We got a new way to get money uh, out of people, and still a usability that is far surpassing the vast majorities of people's capabilities. And and people are getting more creative. I mean, sushi was forked to what was it? Kimchi? <laughs> yeah. And kimchi's going to probably fork to Ronald McDonald token, you know, or Chicken McNugget coin. I don't know. So it's like. I guess I should have picked the Asian food there, maybe ramen noodle. But um, my question is, how far does this go? And do you really believe that DeFi is creating value in this space with all of the forks, all of the things that are happening? And the only thing I see on the horizon is a lot of of bullshit for a lot of innocent people putting money into DeFi, trying to say it's an investment on the blockchain.
1: I think there's going to be a lot of bullshit. I think there's going to be a lot of these forks and scams, like all the food coins, and because it's, it's just so easy to do. It's like doing an ICO. Like We saw the same thing happen during the ICO boom. I think that the interesting platforms that, that add value on DeFi, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with decentralized lending, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that's happening with decentralized insurance. So decentralized lending, you know, you're cutting out your banks, you're cutting out the loan givers and loan sharks that you can give more, uh, more fair loans with fair interest rates. You're taking a loan from the blockchain, you're giving a loan to the blockchain is like peer to peer loans. Um, and then the same concept with decentralized insurance that you're instead of having an insurance company, you have a collective of people and you're pooling money together and then you're using the blockchain to verify uh claims into at to state claims and then you can pull out money that way, right? And you have a lot fairer insurance rates because it's not a company that's incentivized to deny claims. I think that the the potential is there and I think that there are projects that are working on these kinds of things and I think it's definitely a direction that we want to push it towards. But I think as always, right, there's always going to be these scams, these forks, people are going to try to make money off of unsuspecting people. And, you know, what is, what is the solution to that? I think it's a mix of, it's a mix of education, but it's also a mix of like self-policing. It's like the people who are leaders of this space and who are promoting these kinds of things, like they have like big Twitter followings and they're talking about like, oh, I just put my money to kimchi. You should put your money to kimchi. I think it's like disgusting and gross and they should like stop. Like they should at least feel the shame of themselves that they're pushing people to promote or to get into these Ponzi schemes just so that they can make. Like money, but I think there's always those kinds of people, and I think we just have to keep building and just have to keep um, educating people because there's like a limit to how much someone is going to be able to like learn to avoid scams, and the rest of it is up to us in terms of the UI and the kinds of user interfaces that we build that makes it easier for people to interact with the legitimate platforms. Uh, and that they don't feel the need to have to go to like sketchy websites to try to make, uh, you know, a quick APY.
0: Eric, I want to say thank you very much for your time and thank you very much for explaining to everyone the sushi saga. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Remember, like, subscribe, and share for people to get this news. It's not just news, it's history, it's theory, philosophy, definitions, 101s, it's everything and so much more. Make sure you share this with your family, your friends, and everybody else. Subscribe, like, and comment on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy Hottling, everybody.